Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello all, it's Helen here the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming, and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Programme. The Programme audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state, and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying, but our present. The programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for the programme audio series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode. Well, the funny thing is like something uh, extreme happened in the book and then her dad was just like, oh, are you going to write this into a comic too? And she's like, no. And I'm like, I'm reading this in a comic. <laughs> Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. 
Hello, friends and fans, and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I am your host, Helen Gould, one of the best Rusty Quillers. And today we're talking about graphic novels, a very exciting genre of literature. And I am... Ooh, what's a novels-related thing that means happy? Indescribably uh, (laughs) delighted... (laughs) to be joined by Ben, Gavia, Marissa and Reese. As always, we shall introduce ourselves alphabetically. So Ben, I'm afraid you're going first. Can you tell us your pronouns and what you do? Yep. So I'm Ben Meredith, he, him. I'm a game designer and voice actor and rustical regular. Yeah. Next up, Gavia. Hi, I'm Gavia Baker-Whitelaw, she, her. I am the co-host of the movie podcast Overinvested. I also co-edit a fanfic newsletter called the rec center and i'm a staff writer at the daily dot where i do film reviews and tv reviews and that sort of thing wonderful marissa how about you yeah my name is marissa ewing Um, my pronouns are she her i'm one of the audio editors for rusty quill and i also own a production company called hemlock creek productions and next, Reese. Hi, I'm Reese Tirado. I'm a tech person at uh, Rusty Quill, tech person at my day job. I write for the Nemesign podcast, and I'm just overall a writer. All right. Okay. Oh, I'm really excited to talk about this because it's been a long time since I read a graphic novel, actually. Speaking of, let's get stuck in with what was the first graphic novel or comic book that you read? Would anyone like to cast their minds back into the uh, dusty sands of time? I I guess uh, stretching the definition of graphic novel, probably more into a comic book, but uh, I'm going to say very Britishly, The Beano and the Dandy. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot about those. Should we explain those for our (laughs) American listeners? I do not know what that is. I also read those as a child. (laughs) They were both comic books with like funny cartoon strips and them with different regular appearances. And for me, it wasn't so much the comics. It was like the big annuals bumper editions you'd get. Yes, the annual ones at the end of every year. So you had the Bash Street Kids and Dennis the Menace. And but not the Dennis the Menace that a lot of people might be thinking about. Not American Dennis the Menace. Horrible British Dennis the Menace. Yeah. <laughs> There's an American? Yeah, Dennis the Menace in America is like a blonde kid with dungarees yeah. who annoys what? his neighbor no it's basically yeah it's like really nice dennis the menace the uk version is much more menacing yeah <laughs> our dennis the menace has like really messy black hair and a black and red top and a dog called nasher and uses his dog to threaten the general public <laughs> oh all right and then the dandy is similar i mostly remember that there was a character who ate pies Desperate Dan. Yeah. Desperate Dan, yes. Who was a big cowboy who ate whole pies, plate and all. There's a big statue of him in Scotland because the publisher is in Dundee. Oh, <laughs> that's really funny. Does he have a pie? I, I assume so. It's been a while since I visited old Dan. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, a little insight into the British childhood of like <laughs> up until, I mean, are they still being published? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well then, current childhood too. Anyone else? Gavio, I think you were going to say something as well about your first. Yeah, uh... my, my first comics were the Asterix books, which I read just Ooh. as I was learning to read because I wasn't very enthusiastic about reading as like a six-year-old, but I loved Asterix. 
Um, and I remember as a very young child, my parents taking me to an adult lecture with the woman who translated all the Asterix books from French. And I was oh, just wow. incredibly impressed by her. And I was like, wow, now I understand what translation is. Because <laughs> you have to do all these puns and things from the French to the English. Of course. That's really interesting. I completely forgot about Asterix existing. That's, this is what this episode is for, to remind <laughs> us of all the like, excellent things that we've forgotten about. Marissa, Reese. Yeah, I was just thinking like, God... I, I remember the series. It was like the Bone Saga or something. And it was just about like these little uh, white humanoid figures that like for some reason, I guess they're all related. They're known as the Bones or something. I remember like reading that and being super into it. And I cannot remember the plot for the life of me. <laughs> <laughs> I was it was it was the first graphic novel ever that I was just like okay let me pick this up and I would like read through it and then I was just like yeah this is not going to stick with me ever but it's something that like <laughs> if you if you showed me the the graphic novel I'd be like oh I remember that don't know what happens in it I just just don't <laughs> Marissa then uh yeah so I'm actually relatively new in the world of graphic novels just because you know growing up they were pretty expensive um Mm. And I kind of got into them through webcomics and like just being on Tumblr and uh, like reading comics like that. <laughs> but the first one that I actually read was The Enigma of Amigari Fault by Junji Ito. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one with the holes? Huh. The deep end. Yeah, that was the one with the uh, holes shaped in the cliff that fit a specific person. Um, so that was definitely one way to jump into things, but then I just kind of went down the, the horror graphic novel, uh, rabbit hole for sure. I only know that from the meme. Yeah. You should definitely take a look at it if you're not squeamish. It's very good. <laughs> I really, I really need to get into like Junji Ito's stuff. I read the spiral one as well. Yeah. I'm reading that one right now. I just got it from the comic book store like two days ago. I'm already like, yeah. It's, it's it's something. That's really all I can say without spoiling it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so extraordinarily detailed as in the, like, the lines and the drawings of it. Yeah, there's. I have been into horror for quite some time and I think I've kind of desensitized myself to it. So finding something that still makes me kind of like physically recoil after I've read mm. it is rare. But th these ones definitely do that. Yeah, there was something I mentioned in, I think, the horror books episode about how I heard from this YouTuber that there's in in scary st stories to tell in the dark. You'll turn over a page and there'll be a horrible illustration on it. It's like getting jump scared by a book. Oh and I God. think the Junji Ito also does that. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I was meaning to say because like the the title of the podcast is graphic novels, but then kind of like the intro email I got was also comics, and I'm like, I hope it includes kind of all of the comics things because I, I mean, like sequential comics. It's kind of an ambiguous term. It, it does feel like a broadly meaningless distinction doesn't it? like i don't I know i think it's an interesting distinction though because like some web comics feel longer than like actual novels or graphic novels but they have a lot of yeah. the same elements sometimes they'll have like audio like i i know it's kind of a lot but homestuck is a good example yeah there we go um, yeah <laughs> but uh it's one of those things where like it's definitely laid out in the form of a graphic mm. novel other than the absurd videos that they slip in there but it's like in a way isn't homestuck technically an opera <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> I love that. did anyone follow that webcomic series the guy who made it was called alec robbins and i can't remember what he called it 
But it was about being married to Betty Boop. Oh, yeah. Oh, my friends really like it. Was that on Twitter? It. Where it was like an yes, ongoing series yeah. and like he was always getting like cucked by some rabbit or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, not really. Like he and Betty Boop were very much in love. Yeah, it's called Mr. Boop. Mr. Boop. That's what it was called. Yeah. Maybe it was an open marriage and I misinterpreted the couple of comics. <laughs> Um, that is also not a word I would typically use, but that was the framing of the joke that I saw on Twitter, I think. <laughs> in many ways, it was quite a sincere exploration of someone who is desperately in love with their partner. Who is Betty Boop. Yeah, yeah. Portrayed as Betty Boop. And there were several there were several comics that just, the punchline was him being like, God, I can't believe I'm married to Betty Boop. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun little thing. I think it's finished now, but I haven't been tracking it lately. I just realised I didn't mention the first graphic novel slash comic book that I looked at. I mean, if we have, if we're going by comic books, then it was definitely the Beano. Yeah, the first one I came across, like graphic novel wise, was The Crow. And it very much influenced my art GCSE projects (laughs) at one point. It was kind of like revelatory to me because I was like, oh, I didn't realise that comics could do this and be really f***ing tragic. (laughs) And it also introduced me to the concept of like a revenge drama, which is still a very fun genre for me. I think that graphic novels and comics sometimes get like, not a bad rap, but like people usually only think of them in terms of like superhero um, Mm. stories. So then when you have these novels, like one that I read recently was called The Man That Came Down the Attic Stairs, which is a horror novel that deals with like postpartum grief. Wow. And like, you'll have things like that, that like, you know, kind of feel like they come out of left field. Because when you think of graphic novels, you really tend to focus on like superheroes in action. Yeah. But I kind of really like graphic novels as like a tool for exploring either grief or like just hard topics in general, because you can illustrate things that are hard to put into words. I find myself really enjoying like autobiographical novels. Or at least like content or comics that are along the lines of like autobiograph. Like it's just comics telling their story. It's a, a so this author does um, the first one is called My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness. And when I read it, I was just like, she just like me for real. Um, I was <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is my whole life. That's great, fantastic. And so I've been like collecting like all like all of it just uh just all of the the ones that she's made cuz it it kind of helped me realize like oh okay I'm not like totally alone in this like I get this um and half the time like sometimes sometimes the things that happens are just really funny and I'm just like this is very sad <laughs> and I'm so sorry but it's so funny like out of context like yeah. uh, the last, I think the last one is called, because every one of them is like, so the first one is my lesbian experience with loneliness. Then it's like my solo exchange diary one and two. And then the one I just showed on camera was my alcoholic escape from reality. And so the last one is more about like her relationship with like alcohol, which a lot of it, I was just like, I relate to this a little bit too hard. One of the funny thing is like something uh, extreme happened in the book and then her dad was just like, oh, are you going to write this into a comic too? And she's like, no. And I'm like, I'm reading this in a comic. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is really funny, but I can only imagine how upset her dad is. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I've been finding myself just really enjoying autog- autobiographical uh, like 
graphic novels. They're they're really good for, uh, I guess, not feeling so alone and like whatever you're dealing with. I think that goes for like all literature, though. What's that? Oh, there's a James Baldwin quote somewhere. He says he says something like, "You think that you are the only person to have experienced this depth of emotion, and then you read a book." Yes. Oh, is that oh, he like gosh. he's like, "Oh, you read Dostoevsky, and you realize that like Dostoevsky experienced this a hundred years ago, or maybe it's yeah. like another Russian." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with with this uh, specific novel, it's it's like like I grew up thinking like this is an incredibly like unique set of like you know experience that i'm having like i'm i'm black i'm a lesbian i'm non-binary i'm you know in Mm. the closet sort of like it was just like to me it felt like such a small thing and then i'm like reading what she's going through and i was just like i'm not the only one fantastic Mm. we could we should all make a club and just meet up and hang out (laughs) and it's probably not ever gonna happen but i'm just kind of like oh i love this so much i love the fact that i'm not alone and i think actually Mm. i came across this when i um went to god what is that one bookstore there's there's a bookstore in new york that um i would frequent when i when i lived in new york i can't even remember it was like a a queer bookstore so it had Mm -hmm. like all of like a different an entire range of different books uh even graphic novels and so like when i came across that there i was just like oh this looks interesting to me and then like i went and bought it and i was just like oh this is the only thing that matters to me for the rest of my life (laughs) (laughs) I think that's very relatable. I'm still thinking about whether there is a difference between graphic novels and comics. For me, the main distinction seems to be that graphic novels are typically self-contained. Like there might possibly be a couple volumes, but I think like, you know, you might have like up to six, but a lot of them are just like, you pick up the book, you read it and you're done. But comics seem to evolve and change over time. And like, that's one of the reasons that I'm not as into comics is just because like, it's kind of hard of like, where do you start when there's yeah. like, this character has existed for like 40 years, you know? That's quite interesting. Cause I guess like, cause one of the, the big ones that got me, cause I, you know, had kids sort of like be no dandy asterisks that kind of stuff but then i didn't read anything at all like I, i'm not into superheroes like marvel and dc comics or anything like that but i picked up the wicked and the divine because <gasps> apparently my yes. fl- my tastes are anything that's published by image <laughs> but wicked and divine has like it released as weekly issues like you know any any of your uh, comics but then it's a finite story and then it's bundled into larger volumes and there are about i think eight volumes or so mm-hmm. so it's yeah, like a lot of them are kind of the, the the monthly release thing i mean you know it's one of these sort of like age-old debates that happens at loads of comic conventions and it's like what do you what do you classify like sandman as because it's 12 volumes long and it was released by dc and it's like you know shrug <laughs> <laughs> some mm. things are definitely a graphic novel and other things are kind of ambiguous i guess yeah I, I just feel like a, a graphic novel is a comic book that you're trying to sell to somebody who doesn't yeah. like comics. <laughs> I, mean, I think Alan Moore was like, it's a marketing term and I have no strong opinion because it's just there to like tell people whether to buy Watchmen or not. <laughs> it sort of like ascribes worthiness to something if you're like, oh, no, 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 no. This isn't a comic. It's a graphic novel. That's ah, really interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, going back to uh, what Marissa said about like, like not knowing where to start reading a comic when like a character has existed for like 40 something years. This is why I only ever pick up when it comes to indie com- I when it comes to comics, I always pick up indie comics like um, mm. so I, I brought a couple <gasps> of them here because more show I and tell. Y'all I had. Yes. Um, so this one surrounded by death is a zombie comic 
And the way, so the way I happened upon this, uh, of course, being the nerd I am, it was Comic-Con. And I was just walking around because there's always, in Comic-Con, there's like artist alley. So a lot of people are there to try and just, just, you know, sell their own comics. So I'm walking around and I see this guy who's like selling like something zombie related. I'm like, okay, I like zombies. That's cool. I go over, talk to him. He, you know, gives me a pitch and I was just like, all right, I'll buy your comic. So he, I pay him. I go home. I kind of like, I start getting into it. Like sometimes I do, sometimes I just kind of leave it there to collect us. But this time I was like, oh, let me open this up and read it. And I got immediately hooked because the whole premise of this comic is these guys, uh, uh, you know, zombie apocalypse happens. There's a group of people that start to live in, uh, there's, there's a community of people now living in the mall, right? And everything is pretty much more or less okay. They've got supplies, they got what they need, etc. But then the worst thing that could possibly happen happens and it's the fact that their favorite coffee runs out and so (laughs) everyone goes nuts they're like we want our coffee (laughs) and the leaders are just like are you really gonna have us risk our lives just so you can have coffee and then uh one of the leaders like is has a crush on this character who by the way never shows up like you never see this character on camera which is wild (laughs) to me but i i I kind of find this really funny. And she's just like, yeah, guys, don't worry about it. And the teen, the, the t- uh, leader is just like, actually, never mind. We're going to go get the coffee. <laughs> and so it's just, to me, it feels very human that, mm. you know, in the midst of this entire, like, zombie situation, they're like, damn, we really need coffee if we're going to not be at each other's throats. So, like, yeah. I read that all in, it was like only two issues that he sold me. Um, so I read it all. And I went back to, because I had like a three-day ticket to Comic-Con. Went back the next day, found the guy. I was like, I need to know what happens next. And he's like, did you actually read that? I'm like, yes. Tell me what happens next. <laughs> and like to this day, we're like, follow, uh, we're mutuals on Twitter. Because I was just like, this is brilliant. Aww. I want more. And I ended up like, I think this was like on Kickstarter. So like he published it himself on Kickstarter. And so like for me, it's like, I love comics. But I love to get into more indie comics. Like, DC and Marvel is fine. The only Marvel comics I own are, like, America Chavez, and that's because she looks like me, like, like full on. But, like, that, like, when it comes to comics, I prefer going to, like, indie comics because I don't have to stress about, like, where do I start from the beginning? There's only, like, one beginning. I'm the same. Tell you what, let's take a little break, and when we come back, let's talk some more about our favorite, maybe even favorite storylines and favorite things that we've read, and we'll see how we get on. Hello everyone, Helen here, who you probably know from Rusty Quill's first podcast, Rusty Quill Gaming, or from our chat show, Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about Chapter and Multiverse, the new actual play podcast from Rusty Quill. Across each series of Chapter Multiverse, we'll be diving into multiple tabletop systems. No two series will ever be the same as we explore the city of Chapter across alternative universes. Chapter and Multiverse will feature a diverse, rotating cast of performers, In our first series, GM Maddie Searle will be running a campaign of Masks A New Generation, designed by Brendan Conway. She will be joined by Ahmed Al-Jabri, Lorianne Davis, Lydia Nicholas, and Pip Gladwin as intrepid young superheroes in the metropolis of Chapter, with Kareem Cronfley as the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Search for Chapter and Multiverse wherever you listen to your podcasts, or visit www.rustyquill.com for more information. Enjoy! 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And welcome back. Back. Okay, so let's talk about our favourites now. I want to hear the stories and graphic novels and or comics that you have most enjoyed over the years or that is one that you keep coming back to. I will say I was really into Saga for a while and then I caught up and realised I had to wait and then other stuff happened and now I am not caught up again and I've got no idea what's going on. And now I'm trying to think how to describe what Saga is. Well, it's very long. Yeah. It's like... Romeo and Juliet. In space. Space opera. Amazing. From the perspective of Romeo and Juliet's child. And Saga, I think, is the one with the cat that can... The lion cat. cat. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a cat and it can tell if you lie and it will go, lie at you <laughs> if you do that. Um, which is a useful pet to have. But yeah, that was one of my favourites. What about you? I think one of my current favorites, uh, my wife got me this one for Christmas. It's called Secret Life. And it's basically the happenings of the company, which they don't explain what the company is or does, but it just focuses on different people that work there. But it has kind of that same like incomprehensible vibe as Welcome to Night Vale, where like you listen to an episode and you're like, why is there an angel in this town? But then just kind of accept that there's an angel in the town. 
So oh, it's, I love that. it's a very similar vibe to that, but it all takes place in like this very secretive and possibly evil company. And it focuses on like <laughs> a janitor, a secretary, a woman that just approves things. Her job is just stamping an approval stamp on paper, just follows them as they work at this company. And it's so good. I'd love good. to have that job. And it's like, it's in my brain now. I finished it like a day after I got it. And I'm about ready to read it again because it was just so weird, but so interesting. And like you, it's hard to even like at times like recognize what's going on. You're just like, why are the janitors like this? What is going on? But it's so, (laughs) so good. I can't recommend it enough. It's so good. And it was called, what what did you say it was called? It's called Secret Life by uh, Theo Ellsworth. But apparently it's an adaptation of a story by uh, Jeff Vandermeer but I've never read that, the original story. I've just read the graphic novel. And it has this, like, very weird, like, distorted, I don't know if you can see, but, like, this very weird, distorted, like, art style. But it's so good. Fun. Ben, what about you? I've got the last thing, um, or, like, new thing that I've read, which was bought for me as a gift, uh, but it's uh, Ronald Wimbley's Prince of Cats, which I've got a lot of adaptations, because this is literally Romeo and Juliet, but retold in, I think, like, 80s New York, but with samurai swords. Ooh. It's very cool, and it is just one volume, so it just it just goes through... Oh, sorry, no, it's also... It's not Romeo and Juliet. It's Romeo and Juliet as told from the perspective of, I want to say Mercutio, but I can't remember. The one who's called Prince of Cats, but I can't remember. I think that is Mercutio. Yeah, yeah, so Mercutio is the main character, and it's like how his life intersects with the main story of Romeo and Juliet. But it's very cool, very stylish. It's just it's just great stuff. And then the other one I have, which started off as a webcomic, or like, sorry, is a webcomic, and again, both of these are published by Image, but has been turned into a physical copy, is um, Kill Six Billion Demons by oh, Tom yes. Parkinson Morgan, or Abaddon, uh, which is just fantastically stylish about a girl called Allison who gets a cosmic key pushed into her head by a ghost horse night man who appears in her bedroom and then she gets transported to the realm of God. Well, to heaven, but not really heaven. But it's great. It's really just quite wild. The art style is beautiful. Uh, But the one thing about the physical copies, as I have here, I've got the three volumes and they're all different sizes, which is... (laughs) awful <laughs> it's really nice and i want i wanted the the actual art on paper so that i could like properly look at it you know closely uh but i really hope they reissue these as a standard size so i can buy them all again <laughs> uh gavia what about you what's your favorite uh mine is a series called finder by carla speed mcneil who started publishing these comics in the mid 90s and has continued through to now the most recent volume came out like last year and um it's not very well known but it kind of has a very dedicated following which explains why it's still going (laughs) the closest kind of comparison i would make from sort of more mainstream i guess like geek culture would be terry pratchett because it's a fantasy-ish setting like it's a sci-fi fantasy somewhat contemporary seeming culture but there's lots of individual stories with different characters and subgenres within the world that Carla's created. So, like, they describe it as Aboriginal science fiction. So the main character is kind of, like, an Indigenous analog character in the world of the story. And then there's, like, also there's, like, uh, sort of American white cultures as well. 
there's a lot of stuff that kind of overlaps with like the present day, but it's very clearly like a sci-fi fantasy world. And um, yeah, there's like every genre in there. And the main character is this guy who um, he's like the sin eater. So he kind of has to take the blame for like ritual crimes and stuff. And he just goes around having little adventures, but mostly it's not in a kind of adventure narrative. It's more in the style of a kind of Gen X memoir comic where it's just like a bunch of queer people hanging out in a bar having social problems but then you know there'll be like a fantasy thing it's very hard to describe but it's a really fantastic sort of multi-genre comic with lots of different characters that kind of always feels fresh with each new like section of the world you explore am I right in thinking that the origin of the concept of a sin eater is like when someone died, you would like transfer their sins into like cakes or something and then someone would eat the cakes? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of based on like various real world ideas and concepts. I need to look that up because that's such an interesting, that's one of those weird little jobs from history that like I just love. It's like he's he's the ritual scapegoat, which is like what he is yes. kind of positioned yeah. within the culture that he was raised in but also kind of his job is the title of the comic, which is Finder. So he's really good at like finding stuff. And that is a skill that can be like put onto any problem and means that like he can kind of (laughs) go to different places and be like the quote unquote finder in like different scenarios. And that's how the narrative sort of is structured. That sounds super cool. Reese. how about you? Any particular favourites you want to talk about? I know we were trying to stay away from Marvel. However, <laughs> it's okay. We haven't really mentioned them so far, so we can we can shove this in at the end. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I just really love America Chavez. She looks mm. like me. I cosplay as her all the time. Um, so basically, she's supposed to be like I guess like you know how they they redo like superheroes every couple of years. So yeah. uh, there was a superhero ca- called Miss America. Um, I think the original was like blonde white woman. Uh, remade her into this like really cool uh, Latina who the weird. Okay. So I, what I really loved about her origin is she is literally like an actual like alien from space. And yet like the, her entire like culture is literally like just Latin culture. So they're just like, I, the creators are like, okay, so if white people can have their culture in space, why can't we do that? And I was like, you know what? You're right. You're valid. Absolutely. Like just big brained. That was, I, could not have done that better myself. So she's like literally like this alien who can fly. She's literally bulletproof and she can punch holes into other dimension and also time. Oh. She's just like super cool. And like, I, I'm just like, you know what? She could have defeated Thanos. Like that, that's just how it could have gone. She could have just defeated Thanos. Um, she's relatively new, I'm going to say. So there's not a lot um out there about at least this rendition of her, which I'm grateful for because then it doesn't like i i'm not like trying to to hunt down every single comic that she's ever been in which i have done um i've read everything about her (laughs) except for the newest one because they they took a turn somewhere and i was like i don't like that um but yeah so i really love america chavez and i cannot wait to see her in the new doctor strange movie this year they should have just casted me but you know what i'm not gonna be salty about that it's fine There's always next time. Always next time. (laughs) So I've got quite a broad reaching question next. What do we think it is about graphic novels and comics that's like appealing as opposed to a book that's just words or a 
a cartoon or other visual media? Like, what is it about about them that we like? I think for me, I like that I'm kind of speed running um, a story. <laughs> like, I can finish like a whole book. I mean, then... I I think like comics are kind of like poetry because the like Ooh. the volume of words is very small compared to. A, you know like a novel yes and like technically you can read it really fast but they're they have to condense a vast amount of information and kind of emotional impact into a really small amount of page space and if you get really invested it kind of like it gets into your brain correctly so it's like it's that that's kind of what makes comic comics unique as a medium like it's different from watching a movie where you're not in control of like the speed at which you're absorbing the story so you can't kind of go back and be like oh I'm kind of getting it at this speed and then just also kind of the experience of seeing someone else's aesthetic because you like you're not kind of required to visualize anything like I'm not very good at visualizing stuff so so I like seeing you know really imaginative art like my favorite artists are usually people who just have really interesting complex fantasy landscapes visually um because I just like find that really cool and impressive so that's you know and I I definitely agree about the kind of seeing somebody else visualize something because when you read a book like obviously you have your own brain so like I at least tend to imagine things in roughly the same way because I'm the one imagining them whereas yeah this that that it's being realized in somebody else's vision and that's sometimes more interesting I also find that like they're a much more well no every, every medium is infinitely flexible with enough creativity but i feel like because it's the like visual and the written kind of mesh together that there's a lot it's a lot easier to get creative in a lot a lot quicker and i think a lot more accessibly because if you think about you know formally weird books you think about stuff like ulysses and house of leaves and stuff which are just incredibly inaccessible objects but then every single comic and graphic novel is kind of doing what they're doing by playing around with form and the number of panels and the way they're spaced and where the speech bubbles go and i think it's just an immediate access to something that's formally very very interesting and there's no requirement to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on special effects yeah (laughs) although i think we should state that um Illustrators and artists are often very underpaid for the stuff that they produce. Yeah. <laughs> Pay yeah. your artists, everybody. That's something I've wound up writing about quite a lot of work because there's very regularly uh, kind of scandals at the the big two publishers in that regard. Reese, Marissa, any thoughts on why graphic novels and comics are cool? I think it's kind of interesting because I would say that for me personally, graphic novels are probably one of my favorite ways to consume stories which is incredibly Mm. ironic because I am an audio editor by trade and I picked the medium that has no (laughs) audio. Um, But I think there's, yeah, there's something about the style of graphic novels and the way that they can convey stories that I think is really interesting because I feel like in film and TV, like there's definitely an emphasis on those visual mediums for sure. But like graphic novels really like take it up a notch, especially in the way that you stylize things like feelings and emotions, at least in the stories that I've read that I think would look a little bit odd in film. I've seen it in some types of animated shows, but I don't know. There's just something about you know, like a full page of art out of nowhere in a graphic novel that kind of catches you off guard. I know, Helen, you mentioned the Spiral Junji Ito book. 
And Junji Ito actually does have a an anime where they took his stories and kind of adapted them and added sound and movement and things like that. But there's really nothing better, at least in horror graphic novels, I think, than when you just flip a page and things seem fine. And then there's just a full spread of like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but it's gross. That just kind of catches you off guard. And I feel yeah. like that that surprise, almost that jump scare is amplified in graphic novels because in film you have like the audio leading up to it you have like camera zooming things like that but when you just flip a page and it's something like that like it it can give you a good spook and i really enjoy that uh for me i like pictures i like pretty pictures and colorful (laughs) pictures i just really enjoy a good picture um i uh, i've mentioned like my friend who created the comic sweetie uh so he regularly does like streams where he like shows his process. And so I'm just, I'm also like very fascinated in the process that goes into creating like a comic or graphic novel. So like the placement of the panels and like what color palette do you use? And even like this, the type of font and like, we all hate comic sans, but you know what? It's really useful. So it's just like, uh, I, I really like just, uh, the creation and I, I really appreciate the creation of, um, like comics and stuff and comic, uh, artists really just do not get paid enough. They really need to get paid more. They do so much work. Yeah. So I'm just, and I, a lot, a lot of the times I kind of pick and choose like, what comic I'll read based on like the art style. Cause I just have, I can't do art styles that like, if it's primarily black and white and there's like a lot of movement. So like for, for instance, like a um, shonen manga, when there's like a lot of action and it's mostly black and white, my brain can't make sense of what's going on. It's very hard for me to visualize it. I, anything that's like really easy to comprehend on the page and like, you know, if add in, throw in some color, get fancy with it. Like then I'm just like, ah, yes, this is, this is so nice for me. I think that liking graphic novels and comics because the pictures are pretty is extraordinarily valid because the art quality is very, very good. So good. Extremely underrated. I also feel like it helps like when there's uh when when it comes to adaptations to like film going from book to like film adaptation it's always it leaves too much information up to the air with respect to like what the characters look like and what a certain thing like you know portrays as whereas if I see a comic and I'm just like okay I like where this uh you know artist is going with this I like the colors I like the character design like I for me, character design is very important because I don't like a lot of DC Marvel stuff because sometimes they have like same body syndrome where it's like every character has the same body type. And I'm just like, I'm not going to feel comfortable if I if I feel like I'm not going to feel comfortable even trying to cosplay any of the characters, I'm probably not going to read it. So for me, it's like character design is very important. So if I don't see like more of a diverse set of like characters and I'm just like it's probably not for me I mean I really do like superhero comics but I get so frustrated with the lack of aesthetic variety in the movie adaptations because you know in every interview with someone who's directing a DC or Marvel like movie or TV show they always harp on about how dedicated they are to the comics and it's like oh I I grew up reading Doctor Strange religiously it's like well I mean probably you didn't but that's fine that's not your job to do that but also (laughs) all of the visuals are like so kind of bland compared to I mean even like DC and Marvel is the kind of conservative side of comic book publishing but even there there's loads of really interesting artists like the art in the Ms. Marvel comics 
is like it's very atypical for a superhero comic and then you kind of watch a trailer for the tv show and you're like this kind of looks like every teen drama so i kind of wish that just more more movie filmmaker people would be allowed to uh express themselves in the way that comic book artists do so here's a question has anyone seen uh the film of sin city yeah okay that's only that's only half of us that's seen it then so i won't i won't go on about this too much but um i didn't know that was a that was a graphic novel first but in hindsight i really should have done because they really really emulate like i it's it's, in, it's all in black and white and there's some really stark lighting and shots in it that completely look like they're from the page and while thinking about it now i'm not sure it was that good of a film <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I respect that it was like, you know, visually really distinctive. You do rewatch yes. it now and you're like, this was very misogynist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I wanted to just mention that as an example of some of someone definitely being... Well, it was co-directed by the guy who did the comic, which is probably part of the reason why. That, that makes sense. It was such a bizarre film. I really didn't know what I was watching at the time. I watched so much weird stuff as a teenager. <laughs> Uh, we have time for one more question. I want to talk about where you'd recommend someone who's new to the to the medium to start. Like, what do you think is like a good starter comic or graphic novel for someone to get into? I'd make them like fill out a genre questionnaire because <laughs> it's kind of like it's like what do, <laughs> there's so many like different like fields to go into. And like if 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 they were like, please recommend me your favorite memoir comics, I'd be like, speak to Reese. But if they were like, please recommend me, you know superheroes or fantasy things I'd be able to help out it's like you need to you know divine someone's personality I realize that's not helpful for recommendations to the audience but I'm like no I, I need my recommendations to be like pinpointed <laughs> no you know that's actually I, I've asked this question about other topics before this is actually a reasonably common answer which I really appreciate that there's like lots people think and like have a lot of nuance in this but does anyone have any other ideas about it uh, to a certain extent I'd say um start with web comics because i mean obviously the, the audience who's listening to this is kind of self-selecting because the barrier for entry for web comics is a decent internet connection but you're listening to a podcast so uh, assumedly that's probably you do probably have that um and they're they're free and if you like them you can go and support the person making them directly uh, and and there's just so many i mean i i, I personally would recommend kill six billion demons just because it's very cool and i love it but as gabby says like Depends what you like as a genre. <laughs> yeah, I would also uh, agree with Ben there because as someone that did the webcomic to graphic novel pipeline, that's definitely, they're a little bit more accessible and a little less overwhelming than walking into a graphic novel store and being like, okay, where do I start? But I would actually say, to be perfectly frank, as someone that's gotten into them relatively recently, every graphic novel shop that I've gone to has been has had staff that's been so kind and friendly with recommendations. And I would say that, you know, because especially they spend so much time looking over the comics and graphic novels that they get, asking them has pointed me towards some graphic novels that I don't think I would have picked up on my own. But they're so good at giving recommendations. So as long as you know, like, what general genre you'd like to go into, just going in and asking, I'm sure they'll be able to find something for you. It's a lot less intimidating than just, like, wandering through the aisles and hoping you pick the right one. So I 
don't know how this slipped my mind, but I used to work at a comic book shop. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why it took me this long to be like, oh yeah, I used to work. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, I, God, I would get this question all the time working there. It's like, what do you recommend? And I'm just like, all right, so I'm just going to assume you don't care for Marvel or DC because that's very open-ended. And also I wouldn't be able to help them either because I don't really, I don't, I don't read any Marvel or DC outside of America Chavez. So a lot of the times, uh, I kind of go towards, I think the easy thing to get into is, is usually like middle grade comics. Just because their middle grade usually has like a lot of different fun premises. It's very easy. It doesn't come with like hard hitting genres. Like there's there's not going to be like, oh, suddenly there's sexual assault. Like, you know, it, it's usually like very easy, kind of like an easy slide to go down. And the, the artwork also differs a lot. You can like find a lot of um, good fun stuff. So that's where I always pointed them to. But yeah, it's it's, it's such an open ended question. What to recommend? And yeah, I always go with like indie comics. It's very easy to recommend indie comics because it's a lot less uh, intimidating when like, oh, this character has only been in existence for like four or five years versus, oh, this character has been around for 40 years and has like 52 variations and like all of these 52 variations. And then there's the the issue with with comics, they go out of print. So you don't want to start with a variation where down the line... You know, you can't find issue 32 or something like you don't want to do that to yourself. So if people are looking to get into comics, I would not recommend DC or Marvel. I would say start with an indie <laughs> comic, something that's uh, maybe a little bit more recent. And yeah, that's just how I would I would help them out. Yeah. The practical answer. I like that. I don't know why it took me so long to remember. Yeah, I used to work at a comic. <laughs> <laughs> professional so in the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you, listener, for coming with us on this meandering discussion. I'm going to see you on the next episode. But for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from everybody else. You want to say goodbye? Bye. 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 <laughs> Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner, and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Vroom, Maddie Searle, and Catherine Ranella. Thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hi everyone, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woebegone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. 
Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.